happy Tuesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, Jim, we've got another fascinating guest here today, somebody who reached out to us, and we're so glad he did. We're excited uh, this uh, this morning to welcome Mike Bruno. Now, Mike is a uh, is a police officer out in New Jersey, so we uh, we thank him for his uh, his service in law enforcement. Something he and I have in common for me a couple of careers ago. But in addition to that, he is, shall we say, an avid collector, and we'll talk a lot about that on this episode. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you both for having me on the show. This is a, an exciting and probably one of the most dangerous parts of. <laughs> of Rocketeer fandom because there are so many amazing things out there and they're all for purchase somewhere at some price. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, you, you, from, from what we understand, you have a rather impressive collection of, uh, of movie props and, uh, and uh, memorabilia associated with the Rocketeer. It, Don't want to brag, but I do. <laughs> now, I have to. I have to know: is is Rocketeer your primary focus, or do you have other movie memorabilia, or do you just kind of focus in on on this film? It is my primary uh, collection, but I have deviated a little bit into uh, James Bond, oh, uh, Jingle All the Way, uh, just to name a few. Wow. Edward Scissorhands, but Rocketeer is definitely the focus of my collection. Now we could talk uh, all night about James Bond stuff as well. Both both Jim and I have a have a pretty strong bond affiliation as well and it definitely uh you know there's some similarities between that film rocketeer but uh you know more so probably jingle all the way because it's got the rocket pack as well yeah that's right (laughs) now now how how did you what was your first item that you've ever picked up that was rocketeer related well the first item that i ever got in contact with is actually the reason why i love the character was the Rocketeer 3D Sight and Sound comic book. Ah, yes. I remember that one. I think yes. I still have mine somewhere. I actually have mine sitting right next to me. Oh, excellent. Uh, so, uh, back in 1991, June, I remember seeing the trailers on TV. And, um, you know, I didn't make it to the theaters at that age. I was only six. But my mother took me to the local comic book store, and that's where I first saw, you know, the advertisement and the uh, Rocketeer 3D comic book with the with the cassette included, and uh, that just blew me away. And the glasses that came with that, they were the red and blue, if I remember right, red and blue anaglyph glasses. Yes, that red are, and blue. The, and they sort of look like the lenses of the Rocketeer helmet, right? Yes. Oh. Unfortunately, the, the included glasses don't fit my frame anymore, so <laughs> I, had to, I had to think outside the box on that one. But right. <laughs> We all grow, apparently. <laughs> But, I think actually it was it was advertised on the back of the uh, the movie program, so they were cross cross marketing as much as possible. Yes, uh, they were, and most notably, the, in the Rocketeer Souvenir magazine, it's actually a full cover advertisement right on the back. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, yeah, we were just we've just been looking at that one again. I've gotten reacquainted with that after not having uh, thumbed through it in quite a few years. I think that all the listeners should always have the souvenir, you know, handbook handy when they're listening to the show. You know, you can just kind of yeah. glance through it. And that's a good that's a good point, Jim. I think it's time we start issuing some requirements. Uh, yeah, I, I think for our ever, listeners on this yeah, show. So I think yeah, once once they uh, once they get one, which they really should go out and look right. for them. And I'm, I'm sure this 
the uh, the sudden demand for this item will probably push yes. the price of the uh, souvenir out <laughs> yes. a lot higher. It'll push it up by pennies. I have no yeah. no doubt about that. It is a great read and uh, some great behind the scenes stuff. It's really the closest thing to. Uh, uh, you know, as a huge Star Wars fan, among everything else, I always love the art of books, the art of Star Wars, the art of Return of the Jedi, all that kind of stuff. We've never gotten that with the Rocketeer, so that souvenir magazine about as about as close as we come in terms of behind-the-scenes photos and production sketches and layout of the story and, and even a couple of scenes that uh, uh, that were cut uh, after the, the magazine went to press, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And uh, right now, uh, the particular minute that we're in, if you'll all turn to your uh, souvenir guide on page 31, uh, <laughs> yes. we are we have just uh, we caught up yesterday with uh, as Billy was describing his uh, his time in the mud at uh, at the I like it stage and right. uh, the uh, the aftermath of uh, <laughs> of that undercranked camera with uh, with with the Model T. You wouldn't happen to own a Model T by any chance, would you, Mike? I just. Uh, don't, yeah. but my family does have a 28 Franklin. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's which, cool. wow. Which was a favorite of Charles Lindbergh. Wow. That's, that's very, very cool. Yeah, the PB's, uh, PB's truck we see here, I did a little bit of digging. It's a 1933 Ford, so it'll be about five years old. So it does kind of make you wonder why, you know, why is he having trouble starting it? It's only five years old. But then again, that was... You know, that was almost sort of 20% of Ford history, that five years. So um, it's a Model 46. It's a half-ton pickup, and uh, it's got a V8. And um, since I know everybody is desperate for this last little bit of information, it's got a 112-inch wheelbase. Hmm. So, wow. so it was kind of the I don't know where we go from here, Jim, but, uh, uh, but you uh, know, I've dropped the biggie. You, you <laughs> it's, it's, it's all there. Um, we were talking yesterday with uh, with Billy about how this uh, this section was under cranked, and he doesn't particularly like this particular scene because he thought that it should have a gentle uh, a surge rather than a, a you know the, the sudden jump right. because he'd be thrown he he'd probably be thrown through the <laughs> through, through the truck and then would just <laughs> exactly. wind up down the road with a, another load of laundry on his shoulders. Although it is funny, you know, we've talked to Billy several times, uh, and I think we will more coming up about the sort of the difficulties of getting in and out of the whole Rocketeer getup. This is, uh, as we've said before, this is not Clark Kent running into a phone booth and coming out dressed as Superman. And right about second, uh, you know, five, six, seven, somewhere in there, you see him sort of fussing with a couple of buttons and then basically giving up because it's yeah. it's just too much work to do all of those buttons over the top of the harness, which is over the top of the other part of the jacket and, and all that stuff, but... Yeah, then he hops in the back and fires off the jetpack. As you say, we're undercranked, and off goes that uh, that Ford. And PV is making the uh, making sort of the oddest face. Yeah, it's like somebody <laughs> told him, "Act like you're accelerating." I guess is what he's trying to do there. Yeah, I, I do have I do have to ask Mike of the. Uh, I mean, most most of the people that we've been talking to who are, who are fans and collectors, they uh, they focus a lot on the Rocketeer's costume. What uh, what particular portions of the costume do you have? Do you have any uh, like the jackets or anything? Or? Yeah, actually, starting with the jacket, I actually have two. I actually have uh, Wested Leather produced it a few years ago, which I still make today. Uh, a cowhide version of the jacket. Mm. The leather's a little bit darker than what you see on screen. But that is a tough jacket, so I can definitely feel Cliff's pain in that scene, trying to undo that button. I mean, especially with let with uh, the wet, wet leather. leather. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's definitely a tough one. And the second jacket that I'm mostly proud of is actually the official Disney released uh, Rocketeer jacket that was released a very short time in the park, and it was also used by the uh, by the walk around 
Rocketeer, oh. who was oh, really? posing in the park, yes. And the jacket that I have is actually that um, that appearance, that, that character in the park, that's his jacket. Wow, wow. How'd you come across that, or is that, uh, is that better left uh, unsaid? Believe it or not, it was on eBay. Really? Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yes. A collector had bought it from a prop house in L.A., um, it was it was marketed as a real jacket from the film. Um, the collector looked into it, and it turned out that it was from Disney, but it was utilized by one of the uh, employees as a walk-around character. So Interesting. He felt that it could be better served in better hands. So. And you never know what you're going to find on eBay, that's for sure. Oh, one it's a uh, uh, global flea market. Yes, exactly. One of my dear friends is a, is a director at eBay. He's been there for quite a while, and and uh, he's coming on the show at some point. We, we keep... Uh, Missing schedules and things. We'll get them on here soon. I, I was wondering that one of the, I would think a key piece of uh, of collecting, especially with things like screen use props and stuff, is checking the provenance. What is your what's your typical uh, path for finding out whether something was screen used? Where where does that information usually come from? Sometimes um, I like to deal with uh, people directly. It definitely um, if they can produce a receipt from the company. Um, companies that I like to deal with are PropStore.com and ScreenUse.com. Those are the most popular. Um, those people operating that website check an item's authenticity from top to bottom. So uh, that's where I get majority of my props from. Uh, but I do know that Disney actually had some Disney auctions that were on eBay, I think from the year 2000 to maybe 2003. So they actually sold a lot of Rocketeer props on eBay, you wow. know, back in the day. I unfortunately wasn't aware, I wasn't a collector at the time, but a lot of the pieces in my collection today do come with a Disney Certificate of Authenticity, wow. which um, since about 2003 has never been done again. Well, that's wow. just amazing. Now, when you uh, first reached out, and I really want to get into a little bit more of the, of the other stuff you have in your collection, but when you first reached out, you told us a little bit about, about one of the uh, one of the buckles. Can you talk about that a bit? Yes, uh, I actually own the lower harness buckle of the CRS X3. Um, that buckle uh, is actually four that were sourced for the for the movie for production, and to this day, nobody knows uh, officially its maker, its intended use, and no other originals have been have surfaced. So it's a really unique buckle. It's kind of elusive and. If you did search the RPF or Google, right. you can see that a lot of people have just uh, come close to finding its source, but nothing official. So it was uh, it was an existing buckle, and and uh, the prop master or costume designer found it and used it. So it wasn't specifically built for the film, the, the buckle in particular. No, no. But but nobody knows for sure what it what it was originally meant for. Yeah, that you know, people are saying it's most likely. Uh, a parachute harness buckle but uh, nobody knows exactly you know officially right. it's uh, it's maker it's intended use um, people have come close they've actually there's a, a little if you look real close at one of the scream grabs you can see that there's a little almost like pine tree design with the number 11 on the bottom and that has been linked to a company called Schmoll and Comp and looking into it that's a good lead but you know, typing in Schmoll and Comp in Google and it doesn't really do much for you. You know, they, apparently they just made automotive tools. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing some research on my end and I actually developed a new lead where the, the company name that I actually believe is called Schroeder and Comp. 
and Schroeder and Comp were actually makers of uh, German um, for World War II German uh, parachute packs. Hmm. So I believe that the actual name of the buckle, the company is called Schroeder and Comp. And if you look online, you'll actually see buckles extremely similar, actually more so than uh, you know buckles that have been previously uh, explored. Interesting. Now, I, if I remember correctly, and please uh, straighten me out if I'm if I'm misremembering from your email, but uh, uh, you, in, in addition, you have an original screen use sort of a hero piece, this buckle, but uh, but you either had or or have come across some some uh, reproductions based on that. Yes, um, another owner of an original buckle, one of the four, um, actually broke down his buckle. His name is Clint of uh, Acme Design Incorporated, and he actually Seriously, Acme Design. Acme Design, Incorporated. as in as in the Roadrunner and the Coyote. Yeah, <laughs> portable holes, it. exactly. That's all. I love yeah, it. He's he already my hero. Definitely capitalized on that. Yes, <laughs> and he broke down his, one of his buckles and reproduced a very accurate replica. Uh, based completely in metal, makes that nice, you know, closure sound, and um, that buckle is actually in the collection of Adam Savage from MythBusters right now. Oh, ah, that's great. You know, I've, wow. uh, we've pinged Adam uh, since we knew he did a pretty active, uh, you know, got pretty excited about his Rocketeer costume build and everything, and we've tried him on Twitter a couple of times and no response as of yet, but you never know. We'd, we'd sure love to, love to get him on and talk to him about why he built, uh, why he built a costume. And I guess, uh, speaking of why, as we sort of wander around through the conversation here, let's let's back up a little bit. You saw this comic book, the 3D comic, when you were six, and it really captured you. Um, can you explain why you've loved it as long as you have? Why it's been it's been basically a part of almost all of your life, and and what what drives you to go and collect this stuff? Well, as I said, you know, when you're when you're six years old, you know, when they when the advertisement tells you it's the world's first 3D sight and comic book, you're saying to yourself, you know, for a character to have that kind of you know title, it's got to be something, right? You know, it's got to be magic. And when I put those 3D glasses on and the character was just jumping off the pages while I was listening to the cassette, it just really, you know, it just really captured my interest. I always had an interest of flight. You know, I love the Superman films, the Reeve films. And it just really left an impression on me. Loved the rocket pack, and I especially loved that helmet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you just cannot beat that helmet. No, in fact, that was actually the first prop that I bought. I intended just to get only, a, you know, a helmet. And with that helmet, I mean, I just received so many compliments, and it was just such satisfaction from just receiving, you know, a nicely painted replica of the helmet. And it just grew to what else can I get? You know, maybe that'll look nice on the wall. Right now, do your helmet is that is that one of sort of the branded licensed ones, or was that a kit, or where did that come from? The first one was actually a fiberglass replica based on an official Medicom release in 2006. Oh, okay. And uh, it was wearable, beautiful, and uh, you know, my my fascination unfortunately didn't stop there. You know. <laughs> Do you have more than one Rocketeer helmet now, Mike? I do. I have you, four. You can tell us. You have four. <laughs> four. Wow. I'm a little bit of a hoarder. It all starts with one. Yeah. I would say it all starts with one. I'm sitting here looking at mine. I've got the Master Replicas version on display next to me right now. Uh, that I've always, Not a great helmet. Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always loved it. I've been very happy with it. I don't, I don't wear it that often. You know, only when when podcasting. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but four. So, so you've got you still have that original fiberglass one that you bought. What are the other helmets you've got? Uh, that has actually moved on. From oh, that, that collection, yes, the ones that I retain now were actually direct, you know, to the production, 
or were used for marketing. And the marketing one I can speak about, Master Replicas, when they were first doing their advertisements, they advertised a very faithful recreation of, of the Rocketeer helmet. In fact, it was actually studio cast. It was actually uh, poured from the original studio, studio mold in the Disney vault. And um, when the helmet was on tour, you know, to, to you know, spark some interest, um, I was able to acquire that original helmet from... Uh, our uh, beloved evil rocketeer. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and that's, uh, we've mentioned him before, evil rocketeer, uh, that we've seen uh, evidence of his collection on the RPF.com. That's the replica prop forum. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, for somebody I feel like I could be great friends with, I, I think maybe evil rocketeer is, is, is perhaps a bit of a misnomer, but uh, <laughs> anyway, and I have reached out to him to talk about him being on the show, but we, we haven't made connection as of yet. So, um, so perhaps evil will just remain lurking in the shadows. He can be uh, he can be out there with Johnny Depp and being sort of in the in the background of our show. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, he uh, he definitely deserved that evil title. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't happen to have a popcorn box, would you? Because I, I am always I'm fascinated by the popcorn box in this particular minute that uh, Paul Servino kicks out of. Um, that's not Mike. That is. Uh, or is it Mike? That is Mike. I think that is Mike, yeah. Spanish yeah. Johnny's off to the right. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Mr. Ketchup Bottle. Uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name now. It's <laughs> dropped so, off my radar. So I've looked at, uh, you know, I've done some digging, some looking around, and I, I suspect that popcorn box is probably just, you know, sort of just an uh, original design for the film, although the colors are almost exactly like a company... Um, it's C-R-E-T-O-R-S. I don't know if it's Creators or Crators popcorn uh, that had been around since the late 1800s, and they used that that dark blue, whereas, you know, your sort of your classic stereotypical vintage popcorn box is red, red and white, and lots of colors like that. But um, And I could almost convince myself at about second 26 that it maybe it says Crators at the top, on, on the front of the box that we can't really see, but it could also say just delicious or something like that. But my best guess so far. Well, I can actually put that debate to rest because I actually <laughs> well, own that popcorn box. That was smacked out of his hand. You're, wow. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. I can <laughs> wow. actually read you. I'm actually, it's actually in my hands as we speak. <laughs> and I can actually... Jim, I love our show. I, I, <laughs> just, I absolutely I think love this. I can, I can picture the tears streaming down yeah. Hal's face as he's listening. So yes, Finally, please, please. I, can, I can know the answer. Mike, so, tell us, what does it say? Okay. If you play your cards right, I'll even send you a picture, all right? Oh, excellent. <laughs> Fingers crossed. It says on top, the best ingredients used, exclamation point. In the center, it says delicious. On the bottom, it says wholesome, nutritious popcorn. And on the side, it's even better. It says on the top, fresh yes. popcorn. In quotes, I'll say it's good, end quote, crisp. Excellent. Ah. So, but there isn't, a, isn't what looks like maybe a specific brand name or logo? Nope. Interesting. No. So all the way around. So that, that tells me, I would guess then that that was purpose made for the film. Now, were, do you have any idea were there more than one of those made? Were there, did, did we see any in the stands? Uh, we do see some in the stands. Okay. Um, there was more than one made. And through uh, our director, Joe Johnston, I actually received an unused, unfolded, signed popcorn box. Wow. So through, <laughs> I do know that there was definitely more than one. 
So, so Jim, uh, from this point forward, I, I propose that uh, that we retool and we relaunch <laughs> as the, the Mike Bruno show. Yeah. And then you and I will just be the giggling audience because yeah, that's well, I feel like that's all I've got left to yeah, contribute because I'm just I'm a, stunned that I, I you're holding a, that popcorn box in your hand right now. This is a dream. This is a dream come true. It's uh, uh, Al has uh, he met the love of his life and married her, and now he's yes. found out what's on the popcorn yes. box. So you know, die a happy man. That's all there is yeah, to exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Bucket list check. Yeah. And um, and yes, by all means, if you if you feel so inclined, please do send us a picture. That would be a, that would be a real kick to be able to share alongside this episode. Absolutely. It's good to know that it wasn't just lost, you know, after that scene. It wasn't yeah, just tossed no in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That, and there's so much ephemera, you know, from this movie that uh, I know that many of the things are reused. I'm sure the suits have been in many other movies and things, but uh, just seeing little bits specially made for the Rocketeer or, or you know, they have a special place in this. By the way, this minute of all the minutes that we've seen Paul Servino, this is my favorite acting of his. He just that nonchalant, <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> It's almost just, like um, it's like a, a father scolding his child, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we've heard some wonderful things about uh, about Paul, both on and off the show, from uh, from Billy about what he was like to work with and what a what an absolute larger than life character he is. And we've we've got feelers out, and we we've got a maybe a little bit of a long shot. But we do have a we do have a connection. We do have a path. So we're we're hoping he'll come on one of these days. Yeah. He- he is great, great in this this, this particular scene. Yeah, just and I have a feeling that might have been a little bit of improv, uh, or just a last minute thing. He he uh, he did add some. There's some items, and we'll be talking about them in the in the near future about some other improv uh, things that Paul did to make this movie just a little bit beefed up a bit. Um, so uh, we get back. We we leave uh, the Malibu Hills, uh, and uh, get back into uh, Otis Bigelow's office, where uh, he's. Uh, got a uh, hound, uh, hounds of uh, eager press boys ready to ready to get all the beans spilled to them about the this rocket boy. Exactly. Which, except that's a really lousy name. Right. <laughs> when as he's walking in, you know, we notice some things hanging on the wall. There's uh, what looks to me like an old brass fire extinguisher, and then some pictures. You know, it's George Washington, and then a picture of a bust of Teddy Roosevelt. Jim, you called out. Uh, I believe it was Calvin yeah, Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge in the upper um, left. And then Not there's a, the Capitol building there. Or sorry, Calvin Coolidge, yeah, yeah sort of uh, upper right is from the viewer's point of view. Capitol building there in the upper left. Below him, I'm just not certain. And then the bust of uh, Teddy. Mike, do you have any of these pictures uh, in your hands right now by any chance? You know, I don't. Okay, then. I was then looking your, your at quest that is gold not shovel. over. That, oh, the gold, yeah, the oh, shovel. The, yeah, the groundbreaking from, uh, is yeah. that of Chaplin Airfield? Yes, that is of Chaplin Airfield. And uh, I, I've looked for that one. That would be kind of oh. cool to hang on the wall, but yeah. never surfaced. Chaplin Airfield groundbreaking. And if you'd look at the second, it's right at second 43 when the flash goes off. That's when you can really read the date of April 5th, 1926. Yeah. That's pretty it's, cool. What always bothers me about that particular shovel is that at a groundbreaking ceremony, you wouldn't be using a flat-handled, what a you know, a, a, a grain shovel. You'd be using a, a a spade and it would have a pointed tip so it just kind of <laughs> it just kind of bothers me about that that fact that they use the uh, a flat shovel instead of a instead of a spade now mike when you were uh, when you were six and reading your comic book and dreaming of seeing this movie um had you known they used the wrong shovel on the wall for a groundbreaking would that have destroyed the film for you once and for all years later i found out <laughs> years later 
and you were one, by that time we're so invested you know what can we do exactly you know, we just have to accept uh, accept the occasional flaw and move on I did actually have something to contribute about the cameras being used not in just scene but if we can back up to a few sure. minutes prior um, you can actually see when uh, the Rocketeer is uh, doing his first flight at Chaplin Airfield some of the reporters are using uh, flash handles that have been attached to their cameras oh sure if you the, look the if you look lights. closely at one of the flash handles it's the identical flash handle that was used for Luke Skywalker's lightsaber oh excellent so, the old Graflex yes the old Graflex isn't 3 that, cell isn't that just cool and there's a little continuity error because that Graflex didn't come out till around the mid 40s uh, oh interesting I knew it was uh, it was vintage I didn't realize that that uh, the, the company was around, but that particular model didn't surface until around the 40s. But first the flash handle, now the shovel. What, what are we doing here? I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just <laughs> destroying it. all over the place. Just, wow. and, I still uh, love and, this movie more than, uh, more than I could ever admit. <laughs> and uh, so, somewhere, I wonder if somewhere somebody has the, uh, you know, the multiple uh, plywood boards that made up Pioneer Petroleum. It's a, it's a great, great picture there of a 49er. And as far as we can tell, there is no real Pioneer yeah, I'm, and and Mike, maybe you you know more about that than I do. I did some some digging, and there's a company in Canada that started in the mid '50s that started as Pioneer Petroleum, but wouldn't have any uh, connection or relation to you know something we'd see here in in the period of '38. What is interesting is that you can find several references all over the web of of a company called Pioneer Petroleum starting in 1924, which sounds very legitimate except every single one of these sites that refers to it are sites that uh, that are selling you example example term papers and example college essays online and there doesn't seem to be any uh, at least what I have found there doesn't seem to be anything sort of backing it up that this was something real it was more like you know here's a sample you know a sample essay if you've got a term paper due so download this and then you know change the change the facts as needed but use this as a template uh, because every every Google hit comes back to that. I always thought that the um, the image that we saw of the Pioneer Petroleum was actually created for the film. Uh, just like you said, there's really not much about it on the internet. Right. But if you actually look, if you freeze frame it, it's actually a l very interesting way you can learn looking at a film one minute at a time. Absolutely. But if you look at the character, his jacket is eerily similar to Cliff's. It has that front bib that has the button closures on the side. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I never would have thought about that. So I'm looking yeah. at it, and it's funny. It, it just As I was preparing for this minute, wow. when I freeze-framed it just like you two do, and yeah. uh, I, I never picked that up before. Oh, that's really something. And in that same shot, you know, of course, off to the left, we've got the public telephone. We've got a couple of, uh, of well-costumed extras uh, sort of sauntering through the scene um, in those great uh, red, white, and blue uh, banners hanging in front of the stands. But... That's really interesting. I I never thought about that guy with a jacket, but that sure is similar, isn't it? I, I do like the uh, if you know being able to freeze frame and going up to uh, second fifty two in this one. I think all the character actors that are playing the uh, the press boys are trying to out press boy each other. So <laughs> yes, second fifty two when that flashes go, they're like strike the most amazed pondering and you know questioning face you can possibly right. do and do it in this scene because they all <laughs> uh, well you got the cameraman in the back whose eyes are wide and he's trying to shoot over the top of everybody you've got the guy second from uh, second from the left with his hand out gesturing and his eyes are honestly about to pop out of his head he yeah. is so uh, as you said he is so into this he's so intent and so focused 
And then, you know, everybody's the, the sort two, of barking the, at everybody. And and the, the two fellows with their tongues on the side of their mouth because, they're, you know, that's the standard thing to show that you're you're concentrating while you're writing. Yes, exactly. I, I can't and, write without my uh, my tongue sticking out to the left. That's exactly it. And then the rather but, dapper fellow in the bow tie on the right with uh, just ready to right. know, bite, bite Bigelow's head off yeah. to come up with a better name. Now, so. Mike, have you ever come across any of these little pin on uh, Chaplin Field Press, uh, the little... Um, Ribbons, uh, ribbons that they wear. Yes, I actually have a bunch of them. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're my hero. I just, How, yeah, Hal's, Hal's I heart grew the, three sizes that, that day. day. Exactly. <laughs> and it's in all the who's down at Whoville. Yeah, all the who's down oh, at Chaplin Field. Good. <laughs> I haven't, amazing. I haven't done it yet, but I'm pretty convinced that if I freeze framed about every scene, I at least have one prop <laughs> in that film. That is that absolutely scene. just incredible. So, is there uh, is there one thing that you're you're the most proud of, or or one thing that you know when you when you show, you know, if if Jim and I were to come to your house, and you know, I'm not saying we're doing that, not uninvited, uh, because you know, breaking into a cop's house is a really bad idea, <laughs> I say from experience. Um, but uh, I mean, is there one thing people like us who really appreciate and love the film, you think you would show us that that would that would the give classic, us the strongest the classic, reaction yeah, or the, yeah, the sock knocker offer. Yes, exactly. Now, granted, I mean, you haven't mentioned anything so far that, that, I mean, my socks are 20 feet across the room already just from the things you've mentioned offhand, but. Well, it's, um, it's kind of a three-way tie. Uh, it's, um, definitely my production used helmet uh-huh. that definitely gets a lot of people talking excited. Yes. It would either be my production used jetpack. That excuse me, rocket pack oh, that wow. was used in the film. Uh, but if I had a pick, number one would be my stop motion maquette of the Rocketeer. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes! Wow. Yes. Wow. Where uh, in the world did you come across that one? That one um, doesn't have the most interesting story, okay. but I actually um, got that from PropStore.com. Okay. And um, it actually just came. I actually just went to uh, WrestleMania here in uh, the Garden State, and I think, you know, I was just recovering the next day, right. and I was just, you know, just checking the web, and there it just popped up, and I'm like, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just that a grail just I'm just yeah. picturing leaning over Hulk Hogan saying, here it comes, brother! Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Wow. Can you smell uh, what Mike how, is cooking? How tall is that maquette? How, how, how uh, big it's is it? It's about 23 inches tall. Wow. Oh, and wow. It, it has it has several armatures on, or how many how many armatures do you think does it the knees bend or? Where? This is actually the static version of that maquette. Uh, this is not the one that was used. This is not the uh, stop motion puppet oh. that was uh, utilized in the film. Um, I believe Disney still I believe retains both of them. Um, there was a rumor that one of them were one of the stop motion maquettes were sold uh, on eBay, but I've never seen a picture surface. Um, the maquette that I have is a static model, which is the same one that's in the ILM Museum today. Um, you can find that picture online. And I believe that this one I have was actually owned by the ILM employee, Jean Bolte. I believe that's how you say her last name. Okay. If she's listening, I don't mean to pronounce it the <laughs> wrong way. But uh, on the bottom of his foot, it was signed Jean. And it's funny because in the Rocketeer's helmet, right by his chin you can actually see a very faint heart that was painted on the helmet. It's almost like a little personal touch. I could show really? you a picture of what I'm talking oh, about. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but I, I think that maybe when Gene was, 
she, you can actually see her in the in the, the Rocketeer um, excitement in the air. That's, oh sure, yeah. Online, you can actually see her talking about how she was making the uh, the stop motion puppets leather jacket out of latex because okay. it had those oh, nice right. wrinkles yeah. in it. Uh, you don't by chance have a better copy of Excitement in the Air than the uh, sort of the VHS transfer that's on YouTube, do you? I do. <laughs> just, it might be easier. Let's start the movie over. Let's go through this. Let's try to figure out the things you don't have. I don't think you have the flying GB replica because I've seen that in, in a museum. No. But otherwise, so so tell me about what uh, what format is that in? That's amazing. It's a VHS copy. Okay. Um, that actually a dear friend of mine and fellow Rocketeer collector John Datz sold to me, and it is a great copy. And in fact, on that copy, it's actually um, footage that I haven't seen posted on the internet. It's um, talking to one of the Rocketeer stuntmen. Really. Uh, his name escapes me at the time, but this was the, the uh, performer who was. Uh, attached to one of the rigs as he was flying over the uh, audience in the Chaplin Airfield. Was it Jim Arnett by any chance? I want to say his name was I want to say his name was Michael. Okay. I'm sure that's in that Cinefax magazine. That is just absolutely amazing. Mike, do you mind if I ask you a quick personal question? Yeah, sure. Are you married? Yes, I am. So, okay. So, well, so I'm not about to propose. Don't misunderstand. But, um, what what is uh, what does your spouse make of all of this? My wife is very supportive of my hobby. That's um, wonderful. She's very supportive. Um, she also is a fan of the Rocketeer and Disney characters in general. Oh, that's um, excellent. So she's definitely put it this way: we have a guest room in 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 our home, and she let me utilize the guest room as the uh, unofficial Rocketeer museum. <laughs> excellent. Ah. <laughs> and it's the place Jim and I are going to be staying when we come out to see you. So that yeah. that all worked out nicely. That's very very well, good planning couch, on your part. <laughs> the couch is a pull-out bed, so it is still a, a semi-functional guest room. Still technically a guest room. Well, we had uh, um, Jamie Hicks. I'm sorry. Jamie, Jamie Hicks. Adam was somebody else who just wrote us. Sorry, Jamie. I know you're listening. It's uh, it's, it's been a long day for both of us out here. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> when he was on, we uh, we definitely gave a shout-out to his wife for uh, for being very patient while he was always off in his workshop tinkering. But uh, but certainly the same the same goes to uh, to your lovely bride as well. Uh, it's, it's great it, it's great that she that she can appreciate the uh, the, the the same the same topic. So this is a, a, a nice uh, right. overlap yes. dovetailing. And it's funny. Um, I actually do have a connection with Jamie Hicks, and he probably doesn't know it. Oh really? Uh, when he was selling his uh, brass master replica's helmet, I was the buyer on that. Oh no, kidding! Ah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's staying in the family. Right. It's, it's all among uh, <laughs> so, all the all the yeah, all, the yes. all among friends the, here. <laughs> wow, uh, we we are coming up on this on this last part of the uh, of the minute. Uh, we probably a more common uh, souvenir or collectible that's out there are the many stacks of uh, Los Angeles newspapers. In this case, the Examiner mm-hmm. is the first one that we see. With a uh, man flies without plan. We're we're in a side note. We wind up learning. Uh, through the papers, we learn uh, Malcolm's last name is Willis. Uh, not mentioned anywhere in the in the script, but in the in, in one of the articles about the Rocketeer, it mentions rescuing uh, Malcolm Willis from a certain death. Yeah, you, you, of course, you have to buy one of, the, or you have to be at least have access to uh, one of these right. props to learn that. Or so, to so show. Mike, do you have uh, you have some of the newspapers? And I believe we see. Uh, I think we'll talk about this a lot more tomorrow. But I think we see three distinct newspapers uh at least in in this uh right in this segment of the film 
I own all three. Of course. Excellent. <laughs> you did not let me down, sir. <laughs> I, am, I am not I, disappointed in you. I definitely aim to please, so. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Hal is going to devote his life now to me. Let's see. But it um, is it is interesting. You bring up a good point that this paper um, was you know never really seen up close. It's just for the for the title up top, "Man Flies right. Without Plane" and "Rocketeer Thrills uh, Thrills Crowd." But in that "Rocketeer Thrills Crowd," "Man Flies Without Plane," they actually the prop creator actually put about a healthy portion, probably about two paragraphs worth of actual created text. That documents, you know, like almost like you know what what had occurred that day at Chaplin Airfield. Ah, that's interesting. I was looking at a higher res picture, and as I said, we'll talk about this a bit tomorrow. But I know some of the other stories were just spurious and you know, sort of anachronistic stories from other places yes. and things like that. But that's interesting. I wasn't aware that 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 Rocketeer Thrills crowd that that had a good uh, sort of accurate uh, accurate bit of uh, storytelling to it. Yes, uh, the man flies without plane. Uh, that's the only one that has some text which is relevant to the film. Uh, I could read it to you over the air, but mm, I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of wordy. It's never too late for right. story time, but. Uh. <laughs> oh well, let's let's do I'll it. go for it. I'll put my feet up. All right, pour myself another okay. drink. All right, story time. <laughs> Rocketeer thrills crowd. Chaplin Field, Los Angeles. A crowd of 1,000 witnessed excitement at the annual Rocketeer Bigelow Air Circus when a, quote, flying man roared from the sky to rescue pilot Malcolm Willis from sure disaster. Willis took off from Chaplin Field to perform a choreographed routine called the Clown Act in a J-1 standard. He was dressed as a clown with a wig and red nose. His plane seemed to be in trouble immediately as it stayed into the race lanes and dipped and wobbled erratically. Officials at the air circus were unable to take action as it was unclear whether Willis was intentionally unsteady or was seriously out of control. The flying man seemed to appear from nowhere through several witnesses uh, through several witnesses claimed to have seen a flash of light near the hangar at the center of the field. He flew without visible wires or other means of air support. At first, this rocketeer flew out of control, confusing the crowd further as he appeared to be a part of the act. He flew directly at the standard, then swooped and drove, dove, finally plucking Willis from the plane just seconds before it crashed. And that's the end of it. Wow. That is, it's, it's amazing. And I, I can't get over the level of detail. And I, I really blame Dave Stevens for... Uh, for getting getting involved in this to to bring those kind of details, even though we don't see it on the screen, he uh, he really made those little touches that you knew that was going on in the movie. Well, and I think Stephen certainly found a friend in Joe Johnston too. You know, when you see Joe Johnston's touch yeah. across any of his films, it's you know it's like looking at a fractal. You keep zooming in, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you you never quite get all the way in. I mean, in these newspapers, we can find a little text here and there that's a bit anachronistic, but like, you can't complain about the text that's on the bottom of the newspaper in the scene because you simply cannot see it. Um, but uh, it is amazing. Yeah, no, de- definitely, definitely St- Stevens, and, uh, Stevens and Joe Johnson had, or were kindred right. spirits in, in getting it right and getting it, being able to tell a story. And like you said, in, in, at the fractal level, you could just push in further and dig down and it still, it still holds up. It really does. And, and you know, and uh, may rest in peace, John Polito, there's a great picture of him as Bigelow right at the bottom of that newspaper holding up one of the yeah. uh, programs. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And he's just beaming in that, in that particular picture, just ear to ear smile. 
that this is a, a marketing dream come true for for Otis. It's such a great film. It's so rewatchable. And uh, Mike, I'm sure you've you've run into people who have never seen The Rocketeer. And I, I know one of my personal joys is watching people who have never seen this movie experience it for the first it time. It is. It is uh, definitely nice when I encounter you know somebody who's you know interested. Let's just say Captain America or Indiana Jones. And I recommend this film. They get back to me, and it's like, where has this been? You know, why isn't this celebrated more? And it's great. Be- I love the movie because it's opened up so many doors for me. Because you know, I I talk to people who love the film, and our common bond is this film. And it opens up so many doors to like so many nice people. You know, I every person I met was just nicer than the next. And talking with you two is just proof of that. Yeah, it's it's great. I. I- I, this this whole podcast seems to be a fantastic excuse to to meet people that that share this interest and and I've learned so much just just doing this. I know Hal Hal and I are both get flabbergasted at the end of these things. It's like, can you believe we just <laughs> just had a chance to talk to these people about about this movie? And, and, and well, it is it absolutely went. amazing. I mean, both of us came into this, and uh, I don't want to speak for you, Jim, but I certainly never considered myself an expert on the Rocketeer. I just I would put my love of it. If it were a competition, my just my love and adoration for the film right up there with just about anybody's, um, and so much appreciation for the detail of it, and then certainly with you know my background in my life, my love of vintage aviation and vintage flying and things like that. But uh, you know, neither one of us came in and said, "Well, we're the two guys who know everything about the Rocketeer," and I think um, we've been lucky because we've been able to be the two most enthusiastic students of the film and to learn so much as we've gone along. You know, here we are in minute. Uh, minute 47 sort of creeping up getting a little closer to the halfway mark uh which is almost profoundly depressing but uh, to look back on the things <laughs> that people we've met the new friends that we've made like mike here um and uh, uh and everything that we've we've learned about the film and then just you know about filmmaking and about history everything going beyond that it's been a, it's been a powerful experience already and 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 like i said not even halfway done and, and fi- funny I mean, so far <laughs> knock on wood so far nothing has dissuaded me from this right. I mean, we met out of the blue billy campbell reached out to us and said that he liked talking about things and, and he was willing to be on the show and and is here you know just about every week and he is every everything that we had hoped for and more i mean he's just such yeah. a great guy to talk to and he's willing to talk about these you know the, the good and bad of this movie and uh just i, th- I think that was one of the bigger surprises and then t- um to come across uh, coming across somebody like you like you mike who obviously shares that that passion but you've you know, you focused it in such a way, and there is something profound about this film. And there's there's a handful of sort of films or TV shows that I put in the same category. But um, you know, as soon as I, any time I watch it, or even watch a minute of it, which we've been doing here, um, and then I go back and watch the whole thing again periodically. But um, any time I do, you know, in a crass sort of way, I would say, well, I'm just I want to just reach for my checkbook. But really, what it is is I, I do want pieces of it. I do want to capture the feeling of this world as many different ways as I can. And while I, I certainly uh, uh, you know, haven't emulated your experience as a collector, I, I, I dare say I do understand it you know, on a, on a, pretty, uh, a pretty strong level. And, and appreciate it, that's for sure. Have have you met through through collecting and things, have you met any of the cast or crew of the Rocketeer as as, as this was going on? Um I did meet um through email. I did talk to Joe Johnston. Um that was great. That's actually a really nice story. I uh, I reached out to him when he started his website, Joe Johnson Sketchbook, right. and I was actually asking him about the uh, lower harness buckle. Well, of course, I thanked him for his you know 
his work on the on the on the movie, um, but I was asked if he, if he had any information he could share about it, and Joe said to me in an email that uh, he didn't have any further information, but he actually personally picked that buckle for usage in the film. He okayed it, and the one thing that I loved about it was just the sound, like that sexy sound, and that's quote <laughs> that sexy sound that it made when it closed, and that just sold him, and that's. Uh, the reason why that that piece is in that film besides it just looking so you know advanced for the time now, wow. now mike if you would uh, as we talk about your collection and and all the things in the film that uh, i'm here sitting what's on that popcorn box well i'm holding it in my hand i'll read it to you um, i'm amazed <laughs> i'm stunned by this um let's go on the record right now in case anybody has any suspicions and can you confirm for us that you do not have jennifer Connolly tied up in your basement I think I have the next best thing. <laughs> okay, I was expecting an emphatic no, but but pray continue. What <laughs> what what is the next best thing? I do have Jenny's wardrobe. Oh gosh! <laughs> wow. Do, 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 you, do you have the uh, do you have the bib? <laughs> do you have the uh, the tomato soup covered bib on the uh, the the wimple of that uh, the pinafore? Yes, I do, and it's on a mannequin right now. <laughs> Okay, I need a. Yeah. I need photos of that. Wow. Okay, that. Uh, yeah, my mind is officially boggled. That's wow. Uh, and I guess you have the South. Do you have the South Seas? I, 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 I keep thinking of questions, but it's like, well, yeah. Do you have the? Do you do have you the have South Seas dress? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> oh my! God. And um, you have the. Is it the polka dot number at the end? The. Uh, oh, the 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 uh, last. The, side of the last piece of wardrobe you yeah. see you're wearing. Yeah, the closest I'll get to heaven. That, that, well, I don't that have that one. Okay, but wow. But yeah, so you have, wow. Perhaps he is human, a human after all, Jim. I'm not sure, but Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. So somewhere in New Jersey, there's that's where Jenny's dress is. Okay. Uh, I'm just flummoxed. Okay. And that's not a word yeah. I use every day. Flabbergasted. Flabber, flabber, yeah. yeah. It's completely befuddled. Where's my thesaurus? Yeah, Wow. You, you you've become you've become our yes. hero to both of us, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Holy smokes! Wow, um, it does and it, it still has the tomato soup. I yes, mean, still... it was never never clean from set as is. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm. And I, I have this horribly wow. pathetic picture or ma- yes. image of myself clutching it, saying, "I'll never wash this dress again." <laughs> but. Uh, Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm. I yeah. I am impressed. I can't tell. It someday there'll be the Museum of the Rocketeer. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, and we'll have. And we'll we will pay handsomely for, for admission. Uh, that is that is. Does the EAA have room for a uh, for for a special we, exhibit? We always do. If, we've uh, got traveling. Uh, we've got. In fact, we just have a. Uh, as of uh, Friday, we've uh, installed a new uh, Apollo exhibit. We have a gentleman from NASA out, and we've got. Uh, Few things: Bill Anders uh, flown spacesuit and uh, Lem engine and and uh, a couple of moon rocks and lots of cool artifacts that have just come in uh, that'll be on display for our our big air show as we do a salute to Apollo this year. But uh, very nice. Wow. Well, I I think the the, uh, the 30th anniversary of the Rocketeer will be coming up in uh, 2019. Yep. So I think, or, I'm sorry, 2021. And uh, uh, you you'll need to start negotiating with Mike now. Yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, Although, you know, frankly, I think we all need to have it. We need to get Billy and have a big party at Santa Maria for the yes, 30th anniversary. Yes. And that way we that way we'll yeah. announce the, uh, you know, the special edition Blu-ray with all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you and I narrate, Jim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, a boy can right, dream, right can't he? Wow. Yes. yes. Well, we can hope. Keep your fingers crossed. 
But uh, Mike, thank you so much for being on our show. This has been illuminating, enlightening, and all those other things that make make this movie so special to it all of us. It is my pleasure, and thank um, you both for having me on. And uh, you know, any way I can help contribute, information-wise, I have some call sheets and production memos and uh, behind-the-scenes photos. So any way I can help, you know, further the podcast, you, it'd be my pleasure. You're going to be our yes. personal Google on that. Uh, I, I, I'm impressed. And I'm, one of the things is, I, I can tell you, I am relieved. I'm so glad that all of these different uh, items, the, these, you know, the, the ephemera from the movie is, is, in, uh, some, someone, is in the hands of someone who loves this movie as much as we do. So that's a, thank you very much. It's a load off my mind, uh, uh, thinking that these, these things are, are being well taken care of and, and well loved. Oh, thank you. Um, wow. Well, again, thank, thanks for being on the show. Uh, for people who would like to continue this conversation, we are available on a multitude of, uh, of social media out there. Uh, we're not available on eBay, but there are lots of other things. Our, are. our souls so are, are available on are, eBay for the right yes. rocketeer prop. <laughs> yes. We can we can accept trades. Yes. Well, we we are we are always available on uh, on the normal uh, social uh, outlets of Twitter at uh, Rocketeer Minute. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com/slash/RocketeerMinute. You can find us on the great big site RocketeerMinute.com. We don't have cool swag like the stuff that Mike's talking about, but we have uh, the normal mass-produced stuff that Amazon is willing to sell you for a certain price. So uh, check, check that out at rocketeerminute.com. Uh, well, we will be back with more newspapers and more kinds of stuff we'll be talking about tomorrow Wednesday. Uh, so join us here on the Rocketeer Minute. So until next time, over and out. Get him, kid.